Hey, big boxers. Welcome to On the Shelf, a program that is dedicated to helping you get your products into a major big box retailer. Tim here with you. Hope you are all doing fantastic. I know that I am still riding high on last week's podcast with Jocko Willick. It just probably made my year as far as podcasting goes. And again, I have to say thank you to Jocko for his insight. I know that a lot of you got a lot out of that podcast, especially because you're on your own. A lot of us just work on our own. And so we're looking for ways to push the envelope. We're looking for ways to make things happen when all we really have is ourselves to bounce ideas off of. And so to get some insight into some things that we can do to help expand our thought process and turn our, what some people would call weaknesses into strengths was really fantastic. So I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I'm interested to continue to see your comments on the podcast. And if you go to On the Shelf Now, you can comment and start some conversation on the different things that Jocko talked about and how they impacted you. All right. So I had a question for myself, and today's going to be a podcast about questions and answers. We're going to address a couple of questions uh, that came in recently. But I had a question recently, and it was about what happens when retailers go down. Where does that money go? Where does it shift to? If a retailer goes out of business, they weren't even at that moment doing nothing. They weren't doing no sales at all. They were doing something and people were counting on them. Toy makers were still, well, I'm saying toy, I kind of let the cat out of the bag here. We're going to be talking about Toys R Us. But the bottom line is they were still making money. It just wasn't enough. And so I took a look at Toys R Us and I did some research into what they were doing and how that happened and how that's going to really impact the overall toy market for this holiday season. And the reason I want to bring it up is because some of you may be toy makers. Some of you may have toys that you're looking to get into retail. And let me tell you, there is no better time than right now. Retail Dive just put out an article, I think it was on the 5th of uh, September, talking specifically about Toys R Us and them leaving the market. And the article really points towards Target and Walmart, but really Target more than Walmart. And Target is already talking about expanding its toy section three times what it already was. Three times. That's going to be some room, people. There's some room for you to get your product in there. And now's the time. You need to get on the phone right now and start ringing up the toy buyers at Target to see if you can get a piece of that action. There's millions of dollars of action to be had. And of course, it's going to get spread out amongst a lot of different retailers, Target and Walmart. I even talked to a buyer at Best Buy recently. They're getting into expanding their toy section. Everybody is trying to fill the gap that Toys R Us left, which is interesting, right? Because if Toys R Us left this big of a gap, how can they couldn't just get it together? What really stopped them from being successful? That's a conversation for another day. In fact, you guys know I put out a Toys R Us podcast, worked for them for quite some time, and I've also sold them product 
And so I have my own thoughts on why they couldn't get it together. But again, we'll save that for another time. I think that it's important when circumstances present themselves that we act and we act fast and we act furious. And this is one of those times. So if you have a toy that you at some point try to get into Toys R Us or trying to get into smaller retailers, now's your chance. Now's your chance to go to Target or Walmart or Best Buy or any of the bigger retailers that are going to try to expand. Even places like Staples and Office Depot are getting into toys. So this is your chance to go to those retailers and pitch your product. They're looking to fill that gap. Okay, so that's your go forward, fist in the air, go forward and make that happen. I'm excited for you. I have uh, some calls to make myself in that regard. All right, well, let's get into some questions. It's been a while since we addressed questions from the big box team out there. And I think it's just high time. We only have three. It's going to be a kind of a short podcast, depending on how long it takes to work through these. But I wanted to get to them anyway. And again, if you guys have questions, you have comments, please send them in. We'll address them on the show. All right. First of all, came from uh, Jenny. And Jenny, kind of to paraphrase a little bit about what she said, but she's got a pretty cool story about her product, one that she tells retailers, buyers when she meets them. It's part of her pitch to tell her story. And we talked a lot about stories and how your story and how your product came to be can be very attractive to buyers. They like to buy into that, especially if it's part of social media and people are attracted to you because of your story. So she's been telling her story and to buyers, but recently she came up against a buyer that really was more, yeah, save it. I don't need to hear it. She ended up making a deal with this buyer despite that situation. But her question was, Should she kill that? Should she kill that part of what she's doing? Should she stop telling her story? And my answer was, no, you shouldn't. I mean, obviously, you have to make your own decision. You have to take a look at how the buyer is reacting to what you're doing. Not every buyer wants to hear the story. Some of them want to get right down to business. They want to say, hey, you know, just tell me the price. How much does it cost? What are the key factors? Can you make this much? What's your logistics look like? Someone just want to get down to business. I had a buyer at Costco that they never wanted a buyer deck with pictures and cool stuff and cool facts. They always wanted the product just in a spreadsheet, just an Excel spreadsheet that here's the product. Here's a short description. Here's your Costco price. Here's the general retail. That's all they wanted. Just give it to me in a spreadsheet. And uh, you don't always get to know that either. Sometimes you could be falling on deaf ears for a long time before you find out you've been sending the wrong thing. All right, so back to Jenny. So you should never let one buyer or one comment from one buyer alter the way that you've been pitching your product or the way you've been approaching buyers over the course of time if what you're doing is working. So if what you're doing is working and then you have this one outlier who says, yeah, save it. I'm not interested in that. Let's just get down to business. That's not a bad thing either, right? But it doesn't mean you should change everything that you're doing based on what this one buyer said. 
I still think a story is important. I still think it's the one thing that retailers can't have access to. They don't know about it. They can't find out about it. It's not information that they can get online. Well, I guess unless you have your story on your website, but that's part of what makes your product unique is your story, why you built it, why you created it. How did that happen? And that story will resonate with consumers when they take a look at your product and they read a bit and do their due diligence. That's going to resonate with them. So I still think a story is huge. I think it's great. I think it's valid. So no, Jenny, I don't think that you should stop telling your story. But I do think that you and all the other big boxers out there have to be willing to look up when you're in a pitch meeting and read the face of your buyer. Understand if what you're saying is resonating with them. Is it making sense? Are they leaning towards you? Are they nodding their head? Or are they in the back of their chair? And are their arms crossed? If that's the case, you got to change it up. Don't push through a pitch that's not hitting the mark. Try something new. Ask them a question, even if it's just a random question. Get them engaged. Pull them back into the conversation. But you have to look up from what you're doing so that you can see those things happening. Okay? Does that make sense? So question was, hey, if a buyer said they don't want to hear my story, does that mean I shouldn't tell it to any other buyer ever? And the answer is no. Stay the course, Jenny. Stay the course and make sure that you're looking up and reading your buyer. Hey, big boxers. Just a quick announcement from TLB Consulting. Are you looking to scale your business this year? Are you looking to get your products on the shelf of a retailer this year? Well, guess what? Booking a coaching call with me has never been easier. I know based on the past 10 years of working with clients that it can be difficult to be a solopreneur. It can be difficult to scale your business into territory that you've never been to. That's why I have opened up more slots this year than I've ever done before. One of my goals this year is to work with more clients, more solopreneurs, more big boxers looking to get their products into retail than ever before. I want to work directly with you and share my experiences over the last 25 years of getting products into retail. I want to share those experiences with you. I want to talk to you from a place of somebody who's been there and I want to help you get to where I've gone. Like I said, it's never been easier. All you have to do is go to tlbconsulting.com, click on consulting, and then choose the time or the bundle that you want and get it scheduled. Let's kick off 2020 with a bang. Let's get you the information that you need. I'm looking forward to meeting you. And the cues that they're giving you. All right, so Emmett had a question. Actually, Emmett had two questions, and Emmett has asked some questions before, but he's on the path. Emmett is on the path of sales, and he's getting it done, and his questions are buying-related questions, which are the questions I love the most. Hey, during the sale, this is what's happening, and I want to know what I should do. So 
Here's question number one. How frequently he was wondering. So Emmett had received some vendor paperwork from a buyer, which is a good sign, right? That means you're progressing. They want to have an official document that has your quote on there. They're going to be looking to get approval for you to get a vendor number. And that all happens when you fill out your vendor paperwork. So he filled out his vendor paperwork and he sent it in. And then crickets. And I think I know that I've been there. I have totally been there where you send in, you're all revved to go, man. And you're like on a timeline and you send in your vendor paperwork. And then, I mean, it's just crickets out there. No matter how many times you reach out, the buyer is just not responding. And so his question was, hey, how much should I follow up with this buyer after I send him the vendor paperwork? You know, should I be on them all the time, every day, every hour? What's the deal? And so what I what I told him was, it's okay to ramp up your follow-up once you've sent in your vendor paperwork because you want to ensure that it was received. The last thing you want is just to play passive and think, hey, they're going to get back to me with next steps. And then the whole thing goes cold and you finally get a hold of buyer and they're like, hey, we never got back your vendor packet. That's not what you want to have happen. And so, yes, I said, hey, every four to six days, I would be following up with this buyer and I would call just to find out, did you receive the packet and is it complete? Do you need anything further from me? You need to get that. You need to get that from the buyer. Nope, you're good. It's all on us. We're working through it. It could take X amount of time. Perfect. That's what I need to hear. Maybe you want to ask him, hey, what should I expect for next steps? What should I expect for a timeline? Those are all good questions to ask. But don't stop until you get the confirmation that the packet was received and it's all good, meaning they don't need anything else from you. Now, that said, that packet could sit on their on their desk for weeks. And the next thing you know, they give it to their assistant. Their assistant goes through it, and you're missing all kinds of things. And that's when they're going to rapid-fire you emails. They're going to be just coming at you. Hey, we need this. We need this. We need this. And so just be ready for that. And the more you fill out vendor paperwork, the more you're going to understand what they require and make sure that you fill it out appropriately. But Every vendor paperwork is different, and you can't know every little thing. And every retailer has their own little acronyms. You can't know it all. You can't know it all. I mean, we have a, if you haven't hit us up, uh, there's a section on our website, on the website, tlbconsulting.com. You can go to there to request our vendor prep worksheet. It's for free. You can go there to request that. And it's just a compilation of all the things that, retailers have asked me for in the past. And I kind of put it all together in a spreadsheet so that when you're starting your quest, if you fill this out for your own products, then every piece of vendor paperwork that you ever get, most likely that information will be on this sheet that you've already prepped out. And it'll make your life so much easier. Not only your life, but you could literally hand vendor paperwork to somebody else who doesn't even know what they're doing and your vendor prep worksheet and say, hey, can you fill most of this out using this sheet? So you can even delegate it. So I think it's under the do-it-yourself section. There's just a question. You have to answer a question, and then uh, it shoots it off to us, and we'll send you the vendor prep worksheet ASAP. But it's a good tool. So 
don't hesitate to reach out. And it's free, right? Free can't be bad. All right. So Emmett, frequently, should I, how frequently should I be following up with a buyer after filling out vendor agreement? Pretty frequently, four to six days, calling, making sure that they received your packet and all is well. All right. Last question. Should I give a retailer lower margin for a drop ship program? And I think the question was actually when he asked it, is that normal or is that considered normal? And I believe when I answered it, I said, I'm not sure that it's considered normal, but I think that it can be done. I think that if you're working with a retailer and they only want to bring your product into dropship, I do think that there's more cost to you to pack, to ship, to individual customers. And I think that you can shave your margin a little bit to accommodate for that. But here's the caveat. Don't make the gap too wide because then it looks like you're being kind of punitive. So, oh, okay, you only want to drop ship my product. Okay, well, that's going to cost you this. No, remember, you're still getting a vendor number. You're still getting your foot in the door with this retailer. So let's not treat them badly. Let's not treat them like we're pissed off because we're only drop shipping. And I know that sometimes it's hard to do that because, man, you just want to get your products on the shelf. And no, they're like, hey, we'll take you put it on our website if you drop ship it. OK, so what you're saying is you'll plop it up on your screen and I'm going to do all the work. Yeah, kind of. That's it. But you still get a vendor number. You're still in the door with that retailer. If your product does well, it still allows you the opportunity to get on the shelf there. So, yeah, give yourself a little bit of margin back to cover the labor costs of drop shipping. Just don't be too greedy about it because, like I said, if you do get that shot at being on the shelf, the gap could look too big and the retailer could take it the wrong way. So, yep, don't be afraid to cover your costs, Emmett. Just don't be too greedy. All right, everybody, those are the questions that I had. We have a bunch more, and we're going to be covering those in future podcasts. I hope that each and every one of you is moving forward. We're ending up the year. The year is ending, okay? 2018 is almost gone. I can't believe it. I just can't believe that it turned September. It's just blowing my mind. I'm going to blink my eyes, and it's going to be... December, and then it's going to be Jan 1, and we're going to go all over again. So coming up is, uh, like every year, we're going to be scheduling or opening up our schedule for 2018 evaluations and 2019 strategic planning. So watch for that. Another thing I want you to watch for is we're going to go video. That's right. And uh, what I want to do is I actually want to commit to a certain amount of Facebook live events. And we'll be posting those on the website on the shelfnow.com. And we'll be doing those Facebook live events through our new Facebook page, which will be on the shelf now. In fact, I'm just loading in some images there and that page will be live. In fact, it may be live by the time you listen to this podcast should be live by the time you listen to this podcast. But I'm excited about it because we're going to put these out in advance so that you can plan for it. 
it's going to be the first time that we've ever done a series of live events that you can be on, that you can ask questions and be part of that conversation right at that moment. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to interact with all of you big boxers, depending on what we're talking about and whether that resonates with you. But I want to see you there. And so look out for that list on the shelf now.com. You'll be able to find it, I think, in the upcoming section of the website. So two things I'm excited about. By the way, we do have an on uh, the shelf now Twitter account. So check that out and please follow us on Twitter on the shelf now. Like I said, by the time you listen to this, our on the shelf Facebook page will be live. So please follow us there. Be part of the conversation on our closed group on the shelf now. So you just type in on the shelf now and probably our Facebook page and the closed group will come up. You just hit join and then you can be part of that backstage type conversation, things that we talk about that we kind of continue the conversation. So looking forward to that. And that's going to really heat up too after these Facebook live events. You know, we'll move the conversation off of the live event into on the shelf now group. Wonderful to talk to all of you again. Looking forward to our next conversation. Looking forward to you guys plugging in and getting connected. Looking forward to hearing your questions and the things that you're interested in talking about. But most of all, I'm interested in seeing your products on the shelf. 